Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast from myself, Thomas Flight, and fellow video essayist, Tom Vanderlinden from Like Stories of Old, that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. This week, we're talking about The Matrix Resurrections, directed by Lana Wachowski. Tom, what was it that made you interested in discussing this film? Obviously, it's The Matrix. It's one of the most highly regarded franchises, or at least the first film is one of the most highly regarded films of all time. And a continuation of that world with the original creator, or at least one of them behind it, is obviously going to be worth discussing. Like, I didn't expect it to be great. I didn't expect it to be terrible. But I did think it would be at least controversial in some way, also given the Wachowski's uh, track record with their most recent films, which have been, uh, at least most of them have been quite polarizing. And after seeing it, I didn't know what to think of it at first, because it was such a strange experience, like I couldn't really grasp that it was real in some way, like that this was an actual film and that I was actually seeing this story with these characters again. As the story was happening, you were hearing like a cat's bell tinkling and you thought, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, it was all just <laughs> I thought I was uh, yeah, trying to wake up. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a great film. I wouldn't say it's a bad film, but I did think it was a film that had some interesting things to say. Just as the original film and the sequels, there's always been like multiple points of entry to how you approach this story like what kind of lens do you use to derive like meaning from it and i think with this film too there are several different angles from which to approach it Mm -hmm. some of which i connected more with than others but at least for me there are definitely like a few different perspectives that i think are worth getting into it's definitely an interesting film regardless of Mm -hmm. anything else that's going on there's a lot to you know examine it leaves you with a lot to think about I mean, that follows in the tradition of the original trilogy. They were films that, you know, were these kind of innovative action films and presented this interesting sci-fi world. But more than that, they were films that engaged with philosophy and our view of the world and Mm -hmm. ontology and, and these different ideas. And this film continues that. It continues to engage with ideas, maybe even in a more explicit sense than even the first one Mm -hmm. in some ways, although maybe less clearly. I don't know. It gets into interesting territory, but we'll get into that. But I'm interested in talking about it as well, because it's a film that regardless of how well it's functioning as a narrative piece, sort of what it's invoking philosophically or thematically is very fascinating to me. So yeah, I'm excited to dive into some of it and talk about it. Yeah. What was your like initial like gut response to it? Because there are, like there are several different analytical points of view, but like I'm curious to hear how did it emotionally like resonate with you on the first impression? My first viewing, I was very interested, especially in the first half of the film, mm-hmm. with what it was doing. It becomes very meta. You know, I'm assuming probably most people listening to this have seen the film because we're going to spoil aspects of it but it becomes very meta very quickly neo he's living in the matrix again but not only that he's living in a world where the matrix the story exists as not a film series but as a series of video games and he's the creator of it Mm -hmm. i found that idea very fascinating and it, it uses that to sort of 
metaphorically engage with like why is there a matrix four and also some of the experience potentially of for Lana Wachowski like returning to engaging with this text and like creating something again the pressure to do that the complication of doing that and I found that all very interesting as it progressed beyond that and he actually breaks out of the matrix eventually again the metaphors of what the film is saying or trying to say become more complicated mm -hmm. I felt like the first time and a little bit the second time, like I lose the thread and I stop having a handle on what exactly the film is is saying or some of the metaphors. It becomes a little bit more confused to me, like I have a harder time sorting out what's what's actually going on. And then it converges a little bit again towards the end, I think, mm -hmm. towards a point of clarity. The second time watching it, there was things I picked up on that I didn't the first, but I don't know. It's complicated. I'm not sure I completely engage with the emotions of the film, mm -hmm. but there's definitely aspects of like the story about Neo and about the tension between like the pressures of society and feeling that maybe things aren't quite right, that you want to break out of that. This is a very, I think, universal experience for people in a modern society. On some level, you've probably come into tension with like expectations that are placed on you by that society and so it's very easy to identify with that on some level yeah that is the entry point for me that was most interesting is how it relates to the philosophy of the first film and kind of clarifying that and how it it is in conversation with that so to answer your question most directly mm -hmm. i think the thing that is most interesting to me is the first film presents this metaphor of like there's the matrix and you wake up from the matrix and a lot of people i think watching that i don't remember i wasn't a part of the critical discourse at the time because it was 1999 i was a child and then when i watched it later in life at that point i wasn't super engaged with the film so i don't know what people critically were saying about it but the impression i had amongst my friends was that it was kind of like oh what if we're actually living in a computer simulation like that was what was cool about it <laughs> yeah and it was only in later in life that i actually read a little bit like Jean Baudrillard or something like it like understood simulation and simulacra or mm -hmm. like some of the philosophy that the film is engaging with and then I later understood that like no the point is the matrix is a metaphor for society and these other things so I think this film matrix 4 more explicitly engages with that idea that like the matrix is not just a a cool concept but it's a metaphor for society as a whole or structures of society and that's made much more explicit i think in this film in the opening sections but anyway i said a lot there so i'll let you respond to that yeah it's interesting i have a similar experience with the first films that i watched them i was like around 12 maybe like i didn't watch them at first like when they first came out but a couple of years later and i never really connected with it back then because i felt the world was just too bleak for me like i right i liked stories that i could imagine myself living in and that was like the time of lord of the rings and star wars and there were all these cool fantastical worlds and then the matrix had this just people living in tunnels and being chased by very strong robots and it just didn't seem like very appealing to me also didn't like the like the green filter that was over everything i liked films that looked like more pretty in the right <laughs> in a childlike sense it's only later that I, like most 
film lovers that I got to or came to appreciate like at, at least the first Matrix as a film that's just like pretty much perfect in how everything comes together and how it weaves together like a personal story, a philosophical exploration and does all this with exciting action and action scenes that reveal things about the characters and about the world. They're not just people punching each other, like all the action means something. So initially going into the Matrix uh, Resurrections, that was something that I was a little disappointed by at first. I did think it was like beautiful looking. I liked that it had more colors, which made sense given how the Matrix Revolutions ended with a new Matrix that's updated and um, slightly different looking. But I was let down a bit by the way the action was composed and it didn't have the same punch like literally almost yeah yeah especially that scene where they once neo goes out of the matrix and then goes back in and he meets the some of the older characters that have been turned into these zombie like scruffy looking i'm not even sure what they were exactly and it wasn't like i didn't think it communicated effectively like how strong these characters were or like how big of a threat they posed to the characters and Right. Also wasn't revealed through the action itself. They just started shooting and punching and yeah. eventually it, it, it sort of narrowed down around the Smith versus Neo confrontation, which I did like better. But yeah, overall, part of me that was let down on that very surface level, like yeah. coming from the Matrix as this great action film, going into the Matrix Resurrections and it's just not the same. But I also sort of realized I don't think it was trying to do that i don't think it was trying to be another great groundbreaking action film yeah it felt like it wanted to tell a different story and maybe even critique some of the the ways the violence is sensationalized in the first films right yeah and it became a much more personal story for me also a more romantic one because jumping on your explanation of the plot like once neo comes out of the matrix he realizes that trinity is still in there and they are sort of kept together closely but not completely connected to each other so he obviously wants to go back in and uh, get her out as well and that's pretty much the, the the second half of the movie yeah but as for like first impressions that the, one of the things that confused me on first watching was the way it was so meta like it wasn't just making meta hints like a lot of or these nostalgic it didn't have these nostalgic moments like most other films have today it was it was so explicit in just literally stating like okay we're gonna do another sequel yeah it's gonna happen with or without us and what do we want from it they even name drop warner brothers like in the film yeah yeah exactly and they're literally like debating or discussing like what this should look like it should have more yeah. bullet time it should be fresh and original but also more of the same it was a really weird experience that i didn't know what to feel of it like emotionally Mm -hmm. There's a bit of personal bias there because I, I'm just not a big fan of self-referential films generally and generally also not a fan of films that rely too much on nostalgia. And at first it felt in that sense, it was a, it felt like a bit of a cynical movie, like it it's going to happen, but we don't really want it to happen. So we're just going to do it. Right. We're going to reluctantly make it. But on second viewing, that interpretation for me changed significantly. I didn't think it was a cynical film at all, even though it does present a world that is to some extent cynical. And I think there's a critique there of a system that 
kind of takes everything people love and then use it to its own advantage, which yeah. becomes also explicit in that scene where Neo is trying to reach Trinity for the first time. He, he's trying to approach her in order to get her out. And then the villain of the movie, the analyst, yeah. uh, played by Neil Patrick Harris, he sort of jumps in and uses this kind of bullet time technique that he, at least he literally states, I'm not sure exactly how he worded it, but how he uses his own sort of thing, like the, the bullet time was Neo's way of like defeating the, the agents and dodging the bullets. And he now is using it against him to keep Neo in this uh, state where he's trying to reach for Trinity, but he just can't make it all the way. Yeah. I think it did build on some of the elements in the first film where Neo was built up as this chosen one. And now it's, I wouldn't say it's like retconned or like uh, they change, uh, they subvert that whole plot element, but they do build on it or add to it that it's actually his connection with Trinity that was allowing him to become the one that people saw him as. Yeah. Which was kind of explicit in the first film when Trinity literally kisses him like in a fairy tale and he comes back to life. <laughs> and that it's only then that he arises as the chosen one. But I do like that that's um, going into my second viewing when I liked it a lot more knowing what to expect. That it was basically an, a film about their relationship to each other and yeah. them finding each other again in this world that once again has separated them. And in that sense, it's a very optimistic film also. It has a clear victory at the end where they are, they're not breaking down the matrix and they're not really trying to, we'll get into that probably too, but they did find each other once again and they sort of broken a cycle that was destructive and harmful for them. And they're flying off into the sunset basically. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I agree with what you're saying. And I like that this film feels very personal not that the the first three aren't but it feels very personal in the sense that it's engaging with the philosophical ideas and there's a lot of different mm. ideas going on but ultimately it finds its like resting place its conclusion much much more in like a personal reality of finding meaning in love and a relationship with another person rather than like this idea of like coming to a philosophical conclusion or breaking down a matrix or being able to totally destroy it or something like that. You know, if you think about it as a metaphor for society or whatever, and you're existing within that and pushing back against that in some way, and you are not going to be able to entirely tear that down within a lifespan yeah. and just like live outside of the matrix to its entirety. In this movie, there's some sense of like finding peace within the tension of that and that becomes more explicit or it becomes explicit to a certain degree where you know the people living zion has been destroyed the people living outside of the matrix aren't necessarily trying to destroy it it's engaging with some of those ideas i like that it kind of moves in that direction and it doesn't feel like the film like has an answer necessarily about mm -hmm. how to resolve all these different tensions that exist in the film and there's places and, and we can get into this a little bit more but there's places where even like lana wachowski as the director i think may even be speaking through like the analyst or agent smith like kind of becomes a good guy in some places mm -hmm. or an ally and there's much more of this like graying of lines and it feels very yeah. like dialectical between like there's validity to some things that are being said by different characters at different times mm -hmm. and instead of completely finding a resolution 
in one of those ideas, it's about the character sort of like finding their place within all of those competing ideas. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back to something you said before that, which was like how this film is engaging with the past films. And I think this is an, an important element to really understanding like what's going on in this movie. I don't think you can really understand what this movie is doing without understanding like the whole context of the matrix yeah I, I find it's a difficult film to just jump in like at any point because you it's a difficult film to talk about the story without knowing the context but also vice versa so yeah yes yeah i think that's a good place to start in so i'll lay out some of that context and then we can build from there so you have the the original matrix comes out and it's this metaphor it engages with different philosophical ideas it's a story that a lot of people identify with, which is that like something feels off about reality, something mm -hmm. you can choose to embrace the truth and you break free from that. And then you, you know, you fight against the man, you fight against the machines to return to like a truer, baser level of reality. That's a metaphor that's very broad. But since that movie has come out, I think it's Lana who stated explicitly, one of the Wachowskis have stated explicitly that like the film was at least in part intended as like a metaphor for the trans experience of transitioning mm -hmm. and feeling the structure of society and pushing back against that. And so it's when you understand that that was the intent, the fact that the, the matrix and like taking the red pill has become a metaphor that is used very explicitly by like men's rights activist groups or like sexist movements like the red pill mm -hmm. subreddit on reddit is like i don't know if it's still around but it's like an explicitly like misogynist community of pickup artists and that kind of a thing so like literally this metaphor that they had a certain intent for has been co-opted societally by a bunch of different groups sometimes even to the exact opposite ends of what they intended and so I think going into this film, that context is very necessary in understanding some of the critiques that this film is leveling against how people engaged with the original film, but also maybe how the original film presented itself. Like it doesn't seem uncritical of those films. There's a line about like, sure, we kept some kids entertained for a while. Or there's another line that Bugs says... They turned something that meant a lot of us into something trivial. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that's extremely aware of like the context of the original Matrix, how that was received, how that reception maybe conflicted with the intention. And it's engaging with that moving throughout this film. Mm -hmm. It's also worth noting that both uh, the Wachowskis have transitioned publicly yes. since yes. Uh, the first Matrix came out. Their whole body of work has been pretty interesting to say the least ever since they've done some weirdly experimental projects and these grand philosophical explorations like cloud atlas sense eight they that sort of go deeper into the question of identity and connection and i think those are also interesting films to watch before going into resurrections because i think a lot of the same themes carry over especially from sense 8 which by the way a lot of those actors were also in the matrix resurrections which was really cool to see i haven't seen sense 8 it's definitely worth the watch it was cut short by netflix but it was so beloved by the fans that they had two seasons and the second one 
ended on a cliffhanger and then it turned out there wasn't going to be a third and the fans got so upset and they petitioned and then Netflix allowed for like this additional finale to be made in which the Wachowskis could wrap everything up in oh, wow. a slightly shorter but at least some definitive finale. But in short, Sense8 is about a few different strangers who suddenly become mentally connected. They become one big self, so they can speak each other's language, they can communicate with each other just in their mind, uh, they can use each other's skill. And at first it's really like an interesting film or an, uh, an interesting story where uh, you have all these individuals who have who are facing their individual problems and they then use the skills of the others to get them out of it. And it's a very nice and uplifting story at the end but yeah it also has obviously like a malevolent force that tries to control them and that wants them gone because when people are connected they have become more powerful and those who not right now have the power they don't want it so it definitely connects to what the matrix resurrections also is about in some way about the system trying to maintain control over neo and trinity and using their trauma in a way at least for neo he's he's being controlled through therapy so actually the yeah. thing that's supposed to set him free is being once again it's something that's being used to control him which also has a i think was an interesting commentary on the way sequels keep our sort of the beloved characters from whatever franchise they keep them coming back to the same stories and in that sense we there was one review that nicely pointed out how we're essentially torturing them kind of by yeah. not allowing them any definitiveness and uh, having them keep coming back relive their same traumas their same suffering for our entertainment pretty much but yeah to back it up a little bit we haven't talked about the matrix sequels uh, a lot uh, which also obviously connect with where the matrix resurrections begins mm -hmm. because at the end of the sequels in the end trinity obviously dies neo sacrifices himself for a better world and now it turns out in resurrections we're 60 years later and the first question is like what did everything in the previous films what did that mean like what did this right. what did neo's sacrifice mean did does there being another sequel, like another entry in the series, meant that it was all for nothing, that the Matrix is still the Matrix and that we haven't moved on? I was just curious, like, what do you think about what this film says about where the world is at in the Matrix? Yeah. Like, where's the real world at and how did the previous films leave or didn't leave a strong enough impression for how this world has evolved? That aspect of it, I think, is where, you know, at first it maybe comes across as a little bit of a cynical film or, mm -hmm. you know, it feels cynical at first. I mean, I think it's in line with reality, though, if you take it as, you know, if you take the Matrix as a metaphor about the construct of society, you can have a vision of how to rework that. Mm -hmm. And you can make progress towards changing certain things, or you can personally try to break out of that. But even very literally, in our reality, it hasn't been 60 years, but, you know, it's been, what, 20 years? And the, the matrix of our society isn't any more gone now than it was in 1999. Mm -hmm. Some things have changed. Some of that is tangibly different, but it, overall, it's not like it's not there anymore in, in a meaningful sense. I think something this 
film engages with is the idea that like probably it never will be different by the end of the film they're not trying to destroy it they're trying to Mm -hmm. rework it they're going to you know they gain power within that world and then they're going to use their power in that world to rebuild to change things and make things the way they they want it to be so i think it's ultimately not cynical in how Mm -hmm. it's still holding up some idea of like possible progress and change and finding individual like healing or Mm -hmm. recovery within that existence yeah in one scene there's a there's a lot going on but in one scene they kind of address that very directly like about their past sacrifice and whether it's Mm -hmm. it is for anything i think it's bugs and some of the some of the people who are living outside of the matrix are like no it has been meaningful like your sacrifice allowed us gave us something to look towards or like mm-hmm. you know if even if it didn't completely destroy the matrix or achieve its its goal in a, an explicit sense like there was still something in the image of that that gave them you know something to work towards and also the whole relation with the machines has grown much yes. friendlier like this yeah a recognition of machine infighting and they have machines and programs who are on their side now and right i wonder to what extent they're trying to make up for or, or that they may be recognized that there were some limitations to the basic or the fundamental metaphor of the matrix that right they kind of want to argue that there's no it's a shallow thing to say that you can escape from the matrix and that in the end you just have to work with it or work within its limits but at the same time the story does give us an explicit real world with characters that have escaped the matrix and are now living in a to them separate reality which there is i think there is a contradiction there with the basic premise of the whole uh the mate the idea of the matrix Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that's maybe being brushed over a little bit by making their relationship outside of the matrix bit more friendly with in regards to the connection with the machines and also right. with the programs they, they they level it out a little bit like yeah uh, the matrix is no longer all bad the machines are no longer all bad one of the characters also remarks that everything was simpler back then people wanted to be free it's different now sometimes it feels like people gave up like the matrix one which i think also shows that it's no longer just about getting people out of the matrix like people are they're starting to recognize that the matrix is it's okay for the matrix to exist as long as within it there's a certain amount of fairness or justice or division of power that doesn't allow for one or two entities like the analyst or in the previous films the architect to have the means of production in hands so to say right yeah i think that's what the conclusion leads to at the end is that it's now trinity and neo who take power away from the analyst and not so much to break down the world just as they didn't do it in the matrix uh, revolutions but just to reshape it and make it more fair or paint the sky with rainbows or whatever they were going to do they just want to have more fulfillment i think more meaningfulness because i think the whole deal with the analyst was that he was exploiting i think it was fear and desire like he recognized that humans unlike the architect in the previous films he recognized that humans are more feelings driven uh they don't care so much about reality they care about fictions and fictions are driven by feelings mostly 
I think the desire for what you do not have and the fear of losing what you do. And so what he did was he kept Neo and Trinity in close enough proximity of each other for them to uh, have that feeling of longing. So apparently like within the context of the story that turns out that generates more energy or like the, the humans are used as batteries. And when yeah. humans are more emotional, they apparently generate more electricity for the machines. But at the same time, he cannot connect them fully because that would give them too much power. Um, so he was basically keeping them in this state of keeping them engaged, but not giving them real satisfaction, which I think is also some, there's some degree of commentary there about the way capitalism or films or like the way yeah. big media and various aspects of the economy work, where they keep us like hooked on something without ever giving us true nourishment. Yeah. And so in that sense, I think there's an irony there where at the end, they even remark like they are thankful for the analyst character for giving them a second chance, which is something that they would otherwise never have. So they suggest that by linking them together or like in, uh, by invoking the desire that also is the desire or the the inspiration for them to, to break out of those changes, so to say, yeah, and to make some meaningful changes again to the matrix and I think that suggests also, it, it sort of links back to the, or at least that, that's what I think she was trying to say, that we can do the same in the real world, as long as we're aware of like how the power dynamics operate within this world, how we are being hooked. We can also use those same emotions, those same feelings to inspire action towards something different. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it still stays on that symbolical, metaphorical level without giving us a real path of action or like a real course for action it stays within the limits of the mythology it doesn't really right doesn't really go beyond it much further which i think is okay like i don't think stories have to spell out like exactly how certain things have to play out but at the same time i, I can understand that some people might be frustrated by it that it's just another cry for revolution without an, a, a real tangible path to actually change something Right. Yeah. It's a very, in a sense, very messy film, especially in the way it engages with ideas. But I'm not sure. I think that's in part by design, like mm -hmm. a big critique of the film, like the film seems to critique or not seems to it literally critiques the red pill, blue pill choice presented by the original metaphor of saying like that's not really a choice on my second viewing that kind of struck me more profoundly where like mm -hmm. i think we look at that as a metaphor for certain aspects of life like take the red pill take the blue pill but the reality of how our engagement with what we believe is true as humans it doesn't really work that way most of the time like it's not always it's not usually that clear of a choice mm -hmm. and ultimately like we don't generally experience engaging with knowledge and truth in that way where it's like i'm going to choose to believe what's true or i'm going to choose to believe what's false it's if you believe something it's true that is more of an instinctual feeling about reality and mm -hmm. you can kind of choose to accept that or choose to try to ignore it and push it away and so there's a there's a critique of that binary choice and the idea of just be, being able to choose truth or choose like to stay ignorant mm -hmm. and it moves away from that into a more complicated realm where 
you know, there's less resolution. There's less of a clear, you know, sort of idealistic answer that comes along. It's not as simple as, you know, entering into this space. You have to kind of find something within that confusion or that complexity or that difficulty of existing in a world where even your attempts at painting an image of revolution or rebellion end up getting like subsumed by the matrix and used against you to continue mm -hmm. to like keep you stuck in that place. I think that's an interesting aspect of the premise of the film is that like the idea of the matrix is literally being used against Neo to keep him in the matrix. That's something that we see, you know, the power structures of our society do commonly is like subsume pieces of revolution or things that want to rebel against it into it and then sell it back to those people and use that to help to keep people still within that that framework it's a messy film even to discuss it like i feel my whatever i say about it like you want to say three things at once but it always yes uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's yeah it's a difficult film to even construct a criticism around Mm -hmm. both for better or for worse. Like one issue that we haven't really touched on, I think is there was one review that really resonated with me and it was a, one that came from the perspective of trauma, which also, yeah, it builds on what you just said, like the way certain things or systems can keep used the things that hurt you against you in a way that you sort of become trapped by it. We'll link the article in the show notes, but there's one quote here that said, too many stories about trauma believe that trauma is a singular event, a monstrous occurrence the survivor can never outrun or escape. But what I've learned and what the Matrix Resurrection understands is that trauma is not an event, but a continuation. A terrible thing happens, or many terrible things happen, and shadows elongate all around you until they seem to make up the very world you inhabit. They rob you of your memories, of your power, of your ability to change. They place you in a prison that they trick you into building for yourself, then convince you escape is impossible. That quote built from a uh, perspective in which the analyst was actually a bad therapist by, right. obviously by having malicious intentions, but even like that aside, like the techniques he was using weren't, they were techniques that a real therapist would never use. And the way, especially the way it, as you just said, it took the, the, the memories of the real matrix of Neo's previous life and turned it into something that gave the analyst like plausible deniability. Like it's, it's not real. It's just a fiction you've created. And even though for him, this was like a, this is a, a reality that he's trying to engage with, or at least connect with uh, or make sense of in some way. Yeah. And the same with Trinity also. In some ways has it even worse she's being she's been trapped by this fake family with a husband called chad and her name is <laughs> yeah. tiffany and <laughs> it's a sort of cruel joke almost that's being played on her and at the same time she also has that feeling like something is wrong i have to escape this and she is not allowed to buy those restrictions which you know it's not to say that having a family is bad or having children is bad but uh, it, it does show that people can live with trauma that keeps them in a state of suffering while the world keeps them in a place where they cannot engage with it and cannot heal from it. Yeah. Which I think was a really interesting perspective. And yeah, as I said, we'll leave the, we'll leave some links in the comment of in the description below. Yeah. 
that same article also talks about how like at first if you don't dig very deeply into it the character of the analyst can seem kind of problematic and there's an interesting tension in this film which is that in some sense it's trying to i think correct the record and make its metaphor a little bit more clearly and we can we can get into this the way in which it's a metaphor for trans experience directly it's trying to make that a little bit more clear but then there's still a lot of elements of this story that i feel like in the same way the the first ones with a very simplistic reading can be like misinterpreted and taken in the wrong way i think there's still a lot of material in this one that can kind of maybe be treated the same way and it speaks to the disconnect between like an artist's intent and what a work a piece of media is to like the people who consume it are two very different things or can be two very different things those they don't always align having an intention doesn't you know guarantee that that's intention is going to come across in the final piece which i think is an idea that in part this movie is engaging with and and talking about but there was another quote from that article earlier on that said, I do mm -hmm. not have to work very hard to take this character and use him to say some pretty reductive things about the uselessness of therapy or the ways the current generation is too coddled. The literal text of the Matrix Resurrections is inviting you to do just that. It's almost daring you to believe that modern therapeutic practices are designed to blind you from the harsh truths underpinning reality. And that, that speaking about the analyst character and how he's like, mm -hmm. he's trying to convince neo that like what you're seeing it isn't actually the truth it's a mm -hmm. it's a trauma response or whatever that idea on face value could be taken yep. and used in a very like harmful and reductive way mm -hmm. and so i think you presented how this the person in this article goes on to explain why they don't think that's what the film is pointing towards but on my first watch without really digging into it that is how i felt about the analyst i was like this is a very negative representation of mm, therapy yeah. and the therapeutic process and those kinds of things so i don't know there's an extent to which i think some of that using metaphors to discuss these ideas at a at a certain point kind of starts to break down and and maybe run counter to like the goals because it just obscures what is actually trying to be said so much and maybe allows for interpretation that the the person is never intending mm -hmm. and to take that further another one of the articles you sent me that we can link to below are also from um i read two of them are from trans people and their understanding of the film as a metaphor for that experience yep and it's very interesting to read their perspectives because as somebody who's not trans and doesn't have that experience there's a lot of elements of this film that to them are very clearly like oh yes this is a metaphor for an experience that i'm very familiar with mm -hmm. and it's just completely over my head it doesn't connect or i think it means something completely different within the context of the film and one of the authors sorry i don't remember which one it was i think it's the reverse shot article they're actually a little critical of that mm -hmm. insofar as saying like there's a sense in which the story almost seems to be hiding behind its metaphor if that's lana wachowski's goal is to talk about the trans experience it almost seems to be hiding behind its metaphor and constructing itself in such a way that mm -hmm. people who don't have that experience aren't going to actually be able to see what is being said with this film and so to some degree they'll just inherently read it in the wrong way unless they read up on it or know the context or whatever all that to say 
I think it just complicates trying to understand what this film is, the way it's using metaphor and the way that metaphor actually ends up. This is maybe a good example of how like um, the limitations of metaphor and how it can end up being kind of messy and ultimately just allow for maybe more interpretation than the artist's goal is. Yeah. So the article you just mentioned, um, it really comes from a perspective of trans suicide specifically, like yes, yeah, the, the specific type of suffering experienced by trans people in a society where they cannot, at least most of the time, be who they want to be or not without encountering significant challenges and significant harm, pain and trauma and so on. And so, yeah, there's one quote uh, that said, I want to bemoan resurrections for not going the extra step for not just saying it, capital letter S, that communities or that trans people die all the time and that this same suicidality reverberates among communities that they once occupied and for letting viewers who could never understand off the hook. Yeah, that's basically what you said. Like ever since the first Matrix or not, I think it was a couple of years later, like maybe a decade later that the first interpretations of the first Matrix film as an, an, an at least symbolical allegory for transness came out and or came into existence and it was starting to catch on like at least as a possible metaphorical interpretation not so much as a definitive intentional one right though there are some discussions uh, surrounding that the matrix resurrections even explicitly states it like in one of the montages early on where they have the focus group and they're talking about what the matrix means and then one of them shouts out, it's it's about trans politics. Yeah. Like it's yeah. almost, well, it's, it's an easy to miss line, but it, it it is there. And I think the metaphor is carried on and extended in some way by not, for example, by not having Neo and Trinity look, they do not look to the world around them in the way that they look at themselves. You see, yeah. see these yeah. reflections sometimes where uh, they're both actually old people and there is a, a sort of conflation between suicide and flying. Like uh, Neo, the reason that Neo is in therapy is because he did, he attempted suicide in the eyes of the world, whereas in his attempt or in his perspective, he was trying to fly. Like he was connecting to who he was in the earlier films and was trying to become that again. And as for Trinity, there's also these moments where she is playing the video game or she's experiencing the old Matrix again and saying to her husband, oh, she, the Trinity character kind of looks like me and followed by her husband laughing at her like he's denying her that reality. I thought it was interesting in the way that it showed how they both also needed each other, like Neo in the end needed Trinity to fly in a sense. Right. Yeah, I did like in the, the final, the climax action scene, there was a nice element of verticality there where they have people coming down on them, like these weird bots that dive headfirst onto the street where they are driving the motorcycle and then they go into the building and they ascend the, the building, they come out in the sunshine and then they leap off the building and then it's Trinity is the one who flies and catches Neo. And I thought that was a nice gesture also to once again to affirm that it's not Neo who was the one, but it's their connection. They needed each other. I can't remember if this was in the articles explicitly. I think I read it in maybe another one, but um, there was an element there that when it comes to trans people that they, it, it's very difficult to be alone. And it's, it, it's so much 
there's a victory in just being able to share that burden or facing those challenges with someone else or someone who supports you and sees you for who you truly are because that's obviously what's in the film like Neo and Trinity they see each other not as their old avatars but they see them as each other as like who they are yeah who they see themselves as yeah 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 there's there's one quote that I want to mention from one of the articles that says it is the exact movie I've dreamt of watching my entire life of course then I can only see its failings trans people deserve more than the matrix resurrections could ever offer yet at that final shot I could swear that we were flying and yeah, I think that's as far as my insights into that whole experience go, um, which is highly limited. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting conclusion for seeing the story through that specific lens. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's all that the film is about. And obviously, even if Lana Wachowski intends it just as a metaphor about trans experience, that doesn't necessarily mean that the creator doesn't tyrannically control the meaning of a film. So I don't, I don't think that's what the movie, the only thing the movie is about. No, it, it's one possible interpretation, yeah. Right. I think it's an important key to even understanding what this movie is trying to do or like portions of mm -hmm. it. In one of those articles, they mentioned like, if you don't see that the like parts of the Matrix are about this, then you're very blue-pilled. That's a paraphrase mm. of what they were saying. But I think that's kind of true. Like there are portions where... Like to me, it's very clear that what they're getting at, at least in part, is, you know, about this experience. And so I think this film goes a step further than the originals in making that portion of the story or that interpretation much more explicit. And it's not necessarily the totality of it, but you kind of have to acknowledge the presence of those themes and that that aspect mm -hmm. of, the, of the story in trying to understand what's being said. Yeah. Okay, well, anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? Or should we should we give our kind of takeaways and final thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure if this was intended as a one-off sequel or that there are supposed to be more Matrix films in the future. I kind of hope not. I think I saw someone say this in, an, in a different podcast or a video where uh, someone said that it forms a nice footnote to the earlier Mm -hmm. trilogy it doesn't necessarily it, it does progress the world but it doesn't necessarily set up a story that needs continuation yeah and for me personally like there was a moment at least when i was seeing the or watching the film for the first time there was a moment of realization that i didn't really know what i wanted from this film i didn't have a strong connection to the the previous films like i thought they were fun or at least the first one's great yeah as for the sequels you know and where the world got left off I, I was fine with it and with this story too like i think it's interesting it had some it made some commentaries it added some not even to say corrections but maybe additions that i think enrich the previous films without necessarily significantly changing your perspective of the originals all too much so yeah in that sense for me it, it was an interesting watch still a bit of a strange one i don't even know how to conclude on this one <laughs> yeah it's very it's very mixed feeling yeah for me you know, ultimately as like a, just a movie that I can engage with on like a narrative level, it doesn't do a lot for me. You know, uh, like you talked about earlier, there's some really interesting action and some of the, the way the action is portrayed is, is really beautiful, but then that it's not composed in such a way that I think even allows you to mm -hmm. fully like appreciate, like there's, there's that scene towards the end where 
it's just mayhem and like all the FBI agents, the SWAT are in like slow motion and they're kind of like moving between them and stuff's going on. And if you pause the frame and like looked at how this action was composed, it's like the CGI is immaculate, like it's really well constructed. It looks really good in a certain sense, but then the way mm -hmm. it's staged and composed doesn't really allow you to appreciate that and take that in in the way that mm -hmm. like especially the the first film does yeah I, on, on my especially on my second watch i did find that scene really beautiful in the way they have neo and trinity being completely yeah surrounded by these agents and they are sort of slowly reaching to each other and then he finally connect and then there's just this explosion of force and power and uh, that's one thing that for me really uh, moved me much more on the second viewing is really how much it's just about these two characters and their suffering and their especially the the scene where they are shown as uh, being resurrected and they're being tortured almost and being yeah. kept apart and they're suffering and you don't know how long it's been going on and there's there's a real sadness to the way that what happened to them and so i i love how this film was so unapologetically sincere in Yes. And almost cheesy in the romance and the way it so much wanted these two characters just to be together and be in love. And uh, yeah, so especially when I watched it again, knowing what was going to happen, I was much more on board with that also like emotionally. And so, yeah, that to me is probably what I'll remember most about this film, like what stayed with me the most. Yeah. It struck me how many times there's a shot where it like lingers on like a handshake or just this like very human connection of like a hand touching another hand and mm -hmm. sort of the weight that can come with that speaks to like the thing I think that the film really cares about at the end of the day is like is that relationship or like a human connection but yeah I think yep. I had a difficult time connecting with it as a narrative but you know as a as an artifact as a footnote as something to think about as like a very big budget video essay about <laughs> yeah. you know Lana Wachowski's experience creating the Matrix and then the cultural reception of it and then going into making a third one. I think it's very interesting in that regard. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that I, I don't really think there should be anything beyond this. I kind of I hope there isn't. This in a certain sense is already a film that's like critiquing the idea of its own existence and it ends up kind of doing something interesting with that but it's still sort of suggesting that it doesn't really need to be there. It like it is only out of a certain necessity. And like you said, you didn't really know what you wanted from this movie. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the movie is engaging with that idea and sequels, like even from the beginning where they're recreating scenes from the original and Bugs and the other character whose name I, I don't remember are kind of watching from the outside and they're like, oh, that's her. And like, she's about to do mm -hmm. this. And it's like a lot of times I think with sequels at a very base level, like that's what that people are like, I had this experience in the past and now I just want more of that. I just want to re-experience, mm -hmm. you know, what I had before. And this film is really kind of critiquing that, engaging with that. And I don't think it's an accident that the very first shot of the film is like a reflection in a puddle of some people. Mm -hmm. And then like a boot comes and just like steps in the reflection. And there's there's sort of like a self-critique and antagonism in that of just like, I don't know, maybe that's speaking more to like, the boot of the man stepping on the reflection uh yeah. but it also could, can be read about you know this film being a reflection of earlier films and just like the desire for that not even definitely still has symbolism yes yeah <laughs> so yeah I, I i'm very fascinated by this movie in terms of like 
an artist expressing themselves and their experience in a big budget blockbuster yeah. movie in a very honest way um, that engages with their past work and engages with you know the context and and everything surrounding that but it's a movie that doesn't give me a lot emotionally but gives me a lot to think about and a lot to mm -hmm. to consider so i appreciate that and as someone who's very critical of like you know i'm a person who didn't at all need a matrix four and i'm very critical mm -hmm. of this tendency towards pumping out sequels and reboots and everything anyway i like that the film was kind of engaging with that i think it, it would have felt yeah it would have felt dishonest to such a sort of philosophically radical trilogy to just be like, oh yeah, okay, mm -hmm. cool. We'll just give you more of the same. There's definitely versions of this movie in some alternative universe that would have been much, much worse. Yes, yeah. Or they would have been like either just plain bad or more like The Force Awakens where it's just right. pure nostalgia and fan service and made by some different director who is a fan of the original but doesn't have that personal connection to it. So yeah, I do think it's... For better or worse, it's it's a small wonder that the film exists in the way that it does. Yeah, I I really love. You're not a huge fan of meta. I'm I like meta stuff a little bit more, but the way the mm -hmm. there's like a montage with that song about the pills mm -hmm. playing under it, and then it's interwoven with them like talking about the Matrix and ideas for the, and then like Neo's on this loop of life and he's drinking coffee and he's in the bath and he's going to the gym and like it's presenting like the loop he's stuck in the new matrix that he's inside that whole section to me i absolutely loved the first time i watched it watching it again i was like the beauty of what it's communicating through montage and then it's using like mm -hmm. in the meeting rooms people are saying like the same things over and over again on like different days with different outfits and it's cutting between these things that are clearly different days and different scenes but yeah. there's a repetition to it yeah they're having the same conversation again and again and yeah yeah that to me was the best part of the film in that it drives home the metaphor of the matrix more clearly than i think maybe the original ever did in that it really helps you get inside the perspective of like the feeling of the matrix the feeling of, of like mm -hmm. oh something's not right here less than a like i saw a cat and <laughs> you know then i saw another cat it's less in that sense and more in that like i feel like we've had this conversation before or i feel like mm -hmm. like like this day is just the same thing over and over again yeah. that society is imposing on me i feel like it portrayed that in a in a really um beautiful way yeah definitely i agree that's that's one extremely small thing that bothered me in the original film that I didn't really understand how Neo was aware of the Matrix. Like what right. what about the, his world ticked him off that he wasn't living in the real world? And yeah, uh, in this film, aside from the montage, you also have the scene with the the new Morpheus character who's seeing all these like subtle bits of code yeah. here and there, and these there, there's more explicit or more attention to the fact that or to the way characters feel disconnected from their reality and how that feeling comes into being and yeah definitely i think as you said the day-to-day -day existence in this world can definitely invoke such a feeling that yeah that there's something that we're disconnected from or that we're missing missing out from or like yeah, yeah like we're stuck in the stuck in a loop we're stuck in the loop. And I think it, it speaks to the reality of that kind of realization more in that it's not like a, one day some people pop in and then it's like, take this pill or this pill. It's 
it's a slow realization that happens over time of like things aren't quite right and then eventually you have to choose like i feel like things aren't the way they are do i accept that or mm. do i just try to continue with this uh, monotony or whatever it is yeah i like that yep Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please check us out on our creator-owned streaming service, Nebula, where you can listen to all of our episodes a week early. Right now, the best way you can get access to Nebula is by signing up for Curiosity Stream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more about that, just follow the link in the show notes, and we'll see you again next time.